remember that song? That song that you couldn't bear to listen to weeks, even years after a breakup. That power of music. The way it can transport you to a time, a place, a memory, a dream, a wish. Sinead O'Connor once said of the song that resonates with me, and I played a lot after my mother's passing, Song to the Siren. She said, I first heard the This Mortal Coil version in 1985, just weeks after my mother died in a car crash when I was 17. That's how I got through my mother's death. Lying on the floor, curled up in a ball, listening to Song to the Siren nearly all day, every day, just bawling. I still can't move a muscle when I hear it sung. Well, I too have known that, know that, where you repeat a song almost to torture yourself, but also to give you a place to outpour all that emotion that you have and don't know what to do with. I also now have songs not old, that aren't of long past memories, but new moments that came to me at such a time of transition. There's a song, Case by Tenny, that's Nigerian, that Atlas is dancing to. And at first, I looked at it as a song that seemed to surround that period of mourning in Nigeria, the time we went about organising, laying our mother to rest, and the aftermath, and yet there is no set period of mourning. This song seemed to be everywhere, on the radio, in a cab, blaring out of speakers at the roadside, playing in the background as I sobbed in my mother's room, but I realised it needn't be, for me, moments of just sadness, but of moments to remember. It was there in the background when my aunt and I watched Atlas spin and run and dance and laugh as he played amidst huge chess pieces in a nature conservation centre. We both knew that this happiness of this little boy was something to savour, yet we were both acutely aware that she was not there to witness this moment, and that was like a great chasm that was growing like a fissure, ready to spout molten rock and magma through its cracks and over our happiness. But while we retraced her steps through the forest and past the monkeys that tried to steal her bag at that time, walked under the leaves of the overhanging trees and took in the day, as this song played, we were not three, but we were four, and we shared him with her. This song played, and I left the room and went to hers, where her smell soaked in to my pores and her lipstick still lined the bathroom shelves and my little sister found me there and we didn't need to speak, we both held each other. That moment we were one. This song reminds me of her first tribute night put on with around a hundred people there and how my brother, sister and I watched in awe the showreel of her at work and saw her passion in all she did, saw a side that we as her children often missed, her working life. We linked arms and we gave each other courage. When one faltered, the other gave them their strength. And when one had no words, the other spoke. This was the moment our mother prepared us for all our lives without us even realizing it. The day we would see how much we needed each other. That month in Nigeria is becoming for me the month I saw my sibling's strength, the month I watched as 500 people or more fill, filed in at her funeral, and it became not a memory of her being laid to rest, but of the immeasurable love that was held for her by so many. 
that was the month I read tribute after tribute sent in for her and felt such pride as my little brother with all his artistry designed and assembled the tribute book as his homage to her. That was the month my little boy dried up tears and turned lines of worry into those of smiles and did indeed hold the world on his shoulders. That was the month I walked along the beach, threw notes into the waves and spoke my heart to her, carried away across the ocean. That was the month we danced after her funeral to music put on by those who once played in her jazz club and I swear she danced right alongside us. That was the month she brought people together, all with one goal, to make a send-off befitting her. That was the month that people who had never met each other, connected over social media and some face-to-face through stories of her, shared music she loved and memories of how she'd helped them through hard times themselves. So, the days that I went to the gym, I'd power through this song, shake off the tears and play it over and over. When I put it on at home, Atlas wants to dance to it and I let him and we dance and I watch him. We dance together and I remind myself for all the pain, there are these moments and there is always music to be listened to and a dance to be danced. Food like music evokes memories too. Takes you back to childhood, your first date, your honeymoon and meals out with your mother. Food has always been a love of mine and hers and I don't want to lose it. My mother would watch from afar my culinary escapades, from the restaurants I would save up to visit to the food I would create in one of my tiny kitchens. She would place virtual orders to remember to cook for her next time, or call me up and ask what she could make from the few ingredients she had left in her pantry. Cooking food for the soul is something I understand even more than ever now. It bolsters you, it comforts you, it makes you smile or grimace. It creates joy and a world of adventure and memories. Oh, the memories. A knife I'm using every evening was bought from a cookery class Chino and I attended on our honeymoon in Vietnam and Cambodia. The first Japanese restaurant my mother and aunt took me to in London at the tender age of five or so on the Tottenham Court Road, Cordicue. We would walk down tight stairs into its depth where a steaming bowl of miso soup would warm me and my mother and we would savour and make noises over the sashimi. One of the most beautiful holidays I've had was with my then partner, soon to be husband, as we travelled to Zanzibar simply for me to go to a restaurant I had on my bucket list, The Rock, something I had not only promised myself I would do, but swore to my mother I would. Now as I see life can be gone in the blink of an eye, I realise seizing those moments, following your dreams and taking those steps to do what you said you would do, will do, is so important. For when we pass, what do we take with us? What do we leave behind? It's memories everlasting, not the money. I was so proud the first time I could afford to take my mother for dinner in a lovely restaurant, just the two of us. Then it became something I would put money aside for when she would visit, from Japanese restaurants to Brazilian fusion to jazz nights. I never forget how my best Valentine's dinner was spent with her watching Candy Staten at the Jazz Cafe in Camden over a Valentine's special meal. Oh, how she danced, smiled and waved her arms in the air. So much so that Candy herself came to speak to her at the end of her show. She had seen my mother's spirit and she too was caught up in it. It's high time now, 
just one crack at life. Who wants to live in trouble and strife? My mind must be free. Oh, young hearts run free. So often when I'm in my little kitchen, I'll put on Ronnie Law's Friends and Strangers. The track will play and I cook and I make that comfort food. Sometimes a slow cooked chicken and leek pie with wild mushrooms filled with soul and love and memories of my mother. Eating out with her, my wedding meal, taking her to restaurants as a treat, laughing over a glass of wine, or just chatting to her on FaceTime as I cooked in the kitchen on a Sunday. What is it that gets you through? And by get you through, I mean, what pushes you on when you feel that you're just crumbling or you feel that you can't get out of bed today or when you feel you just want to literally run out of the house screaming. For me, when I first got back from Nigeria after the funeral was over and everyone had got back to their daily lives as if nothing or in my head that's how I felt I felt like everybody was just continuing on and now it was a wrap and we were just meant to get on with living and trying to become happy again when I got back I found it really really tough and I had Atlas to look after and it almost made it harder because I resented the fact in a way that I had to get up early, look after him, take him out, do things. I never had any time to think. I couldn't process. But at the same time, I didn't want to process, I think. So for me, what got me through was film. And that's always been the way. Maybe it's a form of escapism for me. No, it definitely is. It's just a way to live someone else's life, feel someone else's emotions, forget about what's going on with you and what you're feeling, and just transport yourself. And following death and following losing my mum, I just wanted to transport myself to a totally different dimension, one where she was still living. So let's talk film. People that know me know I love film. I can sit and debate the meaning of a film and watch it several times if it's had an effect on me. When I was younger, and still to this day, if I was sad or annoyed and just wanted to get away, I would buy a single ticket and sink into a cinema seat and as the lights dimmed, I'd be whisked away. I could laugh, cry, be outraged, and be taken through all range of human emotions while leaving my own life outside the cinema doors. Whenever I was having a wobble, especially in the first few months, and I was questioning a lot, I found myself asking those big questions. Atlas will one day probably turn to me and ask, questioning the futility of life and why do certain things happen and why do you bother doing things when you know what's inevitable 
I sat down while Atlas napped and decided to immerse myself in film. A bit of sci-fi actually, to be precise. I found on my go-to Netflix a film called Arrival and settled down ready to not pay too much attention to something lightweight and full of alien invasions and I was given so much more. In fact, oddly, I was given answers to some of my questions. You see, sometimes it feels like the universe knows what you need, hears you and answers your call. The film was of hope, of the beauty of life and living, of its pain and joy and how both intermingle, overlap and can exist without, and they can't exist rather without the other. It's an unspoken acceptance that tragedy is as much a part of life as joy. The two are as bound together as the past and the present, life and death, arrival and departure, and how the arrival of aliens alters our planet's history and how the arrival of a baby alters a woman's life. Then, at the total opposite end of the spectrum, where genre is concerned anyway, another film that touched me and I love, and that's La La Land. And I know so many don't get it or it's not for them. But for me, it's the dream sequence in it. That moment I cried in the cinema and cried on the way home at the beauty of it. How your life can culminate in that one moment. How you can see it literally flash before you like a showreel and how life can just like a film play out so very quickly how in that sequence we saw the lives running parallel that the couple could have led what if led and didn't lead I cried for the fact that if you get one life due to so many factors but often luck of the draw your life could take you a different path and that doesn't mean one you wish you hadn't wandered down but it does mean saying goodbye to people In that moment, the nostalgia was not just for the life they led and could have led, but the old way of film, the happiness in the dance and a song and the technicolour glory that had burst onto our screens after so much of life was lived in black and white. It's regret and yet closure. It shows how we look and try to find in the chaos and amidst the uncertainty of life a reason. And there is always a timeline, always a birth and a death. And yet... It's all those moments we have and can savour in between that make life worth it and worth the pain. It's how transient life is and how one different step, one path less travelled could mean you are with someone different or no one at all, with or without a family, living your dreams, following your calling, becoming who you thought you would be or happy in who you are now. Even when life has had so much pain for some, those glimmers of happiness and beauty, of watching your daughter and her siblings walk down the aisle, of seeing your children graduate, of holding your first grandchild, of dancing with your sister, goofing around in front of the camera with your siblings for a picture that will feature in your tribute book one day, or driving down that open road in America without much money in your pocket, but your most valuable possession singing along with you to Billie Jean in the back. Those are the moments that you cling onto and live for, live for. Or how, just like that, through a sheer twist of fate, you could have met that man dressed in an elf suit on his one day out in London of the year, a day out you almost missed. 
but then your very own showreel would start and lead you to a little boy pointing at a bauble you buy at his first Xmas for him. You see, that's how I met my partner. I was dressed as a Santa and he was an elf and we were descending on London for the annual SantaCon. But that was something I never saw happening. And again, it just seemed like twists of fate brought us together. It's an idea that speaks to what movies can do, which is that emotion can override everything. You can draw a straight line from that idea to every musical ever made. If you feel enough, you suddenly have a 90-piece orchestra emerge from the heavens and accompany you in a song, which is so ridiculous and absurd and yet feels so right sometimes. That's what I read about La La Land. That's, that's also how I feel. Sometimes I feel now that I'm seeing everything before and then after Mum simultaneously. A dream sequence where all that Technicolor glory is zapped and it's washed out and it's black and white. But then the moments creep in and there are splashes of colour. Splashes of colour, for example, as we swam in the sea in Zanzibar. As I saw my mother cry tears of joy as I walked down the aisle as Atlas is born, as Chino plays with him and makes him laugh hysterically, as I step back and take in my little family. Life may not always be a musical, but I can make it one, with song and dance and joy and emotion and highs and lows, but that warm feeling you're often left with at the end. The Von Trapp family didn't sing joyously the entire movie, and creeping in at the edges of their joy was a world-changing and Annie went through some tough times with a hard-knock life, after all, but she still knew the sun would come out tomorrow. So no matter what Hollywood may try to push, we don't all get the happily ever after. But like these films I watched in a darkened cinema or curled up on my sofa with an aching heart, we can be transported, we can be taken somewhere else and away from all the stresses now. But yet, as the film show you, you don't have to lose any of the now as every moment is living. So no, my answer to the film Arrival is I wouldn't give up on all the painful parts if I could see life from the beginning to end and knew its outcome. I'd still live it because there is so much to love, so many to love. And if you run my showreel of the past and present side by side, I have as much happiness and joy as pain. And I see I see now that my mum lived, we lived, and oh how she loved, we loved, and the seemingly simple moments of a life lived were done so with passion. Surely that's all you can ask for.